All right, welcome everyone to another great episode of Talk to Tatiana. And today, Rick Ornelas is talking to Tatiana. Welcome, Rick. Thank you very much, Tatiana. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I think you have an interesting story to share. And um, I wanted to see, I wanted to start, I guess, with where you are today. What do you do? How do you transform other people's lives? Good question, because um, that's my favorite thing to do, really, is um, I, I identify as an ultimate success coach. Um, I'm also a best-selling author and the founder of iSpark Change. And what I do on a regular basis through my coaching is I help entrepreneurs looking for clarity and guidance um, eliminate the roadblocks that are preventing their personal and professional uh, success so they can infuse instant growth into their business while um, making an impact in the world, making a difference and spreading positive change. So that's a very important component for me. Um, but, you know, at the heart, I mean, business and professional coach, um, I work with individuals, I work with groups, I work in a you know large mastermind, I, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. And, um, and this one of the ways that I touch people, you know, in addition to writing and, and speaking and things as well. That's awesome. Um, and so when you speak what do you speak on what's the what's a typical do you have a couple of speeches or do you speak on the topic where the organizers ask you for a certain specific thing or what is that like because i'm a speaker yeah, myself um, so i'm curious no it, it's great because speaking is something that is is near and dear to my heart that i've been doing a lot more of in the past year and you know want to continue to grow that so I speak on a few topics. Um, one is about creating purpose in your life because that that's something that has really had an impact on me, um, where things changed for me a few years ago, and you know how I how I created um, you know was able to create my purpose and really live you know my purpose on a daily basis. Um, you know I'll also speak on um, the effects of social impact in business. How social impact has an effect on every business, large and small, whether entrepreneurs see it or not. Um, and that's really changed in the past couple of years. And then sometimes it's just a motivational, you know, motivational presentation, you know, on motivation and mindset and, you know, how to, how to unleash, you know, that, that power that we all have inside and, and how to be the best version of ourselves, you know, reach that ultimate success, which is what I like you know, coaching people on. But what do you think, <laughs> what, what do you think is the block or blocks that prevent people from unleashing their potential or what they have inside or what you just mentioned? Ooh, uh, I'd say Tatiana that it all starts up here in the, in the mindset. You know, I, I always start with mindset for everyone I coach, whether they want just specifics, you know, specific coaching about the growth of their business or, you know, individual coaching. I always start with, you know, where their head is at, so to speak, because, that's where everything is going to, that's where their success is going to be determined. You know, it goes back to the old saying from Henry Ford, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right in, in both instances. Because, you know, so often what I find are, you know, things like fear and, and limiting beliefs that are holding people back from success. And I'm able to coach them because those are things that held me back from success. Those are things that I learned along my entrepreneurial journey is, is how to get past those limiting beliefs, how to, you know, overcome that fear and see that, you know, I can accomplish great things and I'm still, you know, still working on that on a daily basis. And so it, it always starts with, with mindset. Um, and then from there we can move on to, you know, what's really going to drive that mindset. So what are the goals that, that they have? 
what are the um, the habits that they can create to to uh, translate into those goals and the action steps and um, and and that really can solidify you know getting to that success and then you mix in there some some coaching around communication because that's essential to everything we do in in, in life and business and leadership because that's important to a business and and that really rounds out you know how how I work with uh, you know with an entity or an individual. And it, uh, just I'm just trying to dig dig a little deeper and um, trying to and this is this comes from a place of curiosity more than anything else. What is the limiting or number one limiting belief? What does that look like that you've seen through your work with clients through over the years? Uh, what what has that been specifically and um, and how can someone let's say listening say oh I share the belief? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd say at its simplest form, Tatiana, the limiting belief is that they can't accomplish something that they're they're seeking to accomplish. Hey, I want to make a million dollars in my business. Hey, I want to, you know, uh, grow my business from five people to 50 people, or I want to, you know, lose 30 pounds. I mean, I coach, coach, uh, coach CrossFit as a hobby and have for 11 years. And so, you know, I coach people in different areas, you know, not just in business and life, but, um, but in, you know, sport as well. And, um, and so it doesn't matter what the goal, but, but what happens is people, they, they just don't have a lack of belief that they can accomplish it. And before they have that belief in themselves, nothing they can do, they will self-sabotage, they will, um, you know, work on the wrong things and it will prevent them. And, and that's, and oftentimes where that's coming from is that they are trying to live as the person they are now, but want to accomplish the goal, which will require them to be someone else down the road. So in order to accomplish a goal, you have to live into the person that you need to be to accomplish that goal. So Jim Rohn used to say, you know, don't um, have a goal to make a million dollars because of the money. You have a goal to make a million dollars because of the person you become along the road to making that million dollars. And, you know, that's obviously 30 years ago. We said that quote. So, you know, maybe in today's math, it's 10 million. But but the point remains that um, that they're, they're stuck in that identity that they have for themselves or that they've always had, whether it's identity of lack. And that's where I was, right? Identity of scarcity and lack and, and you know, not seeing myself outside of, of that bubble. And then it becomes, uh, um, you know, something that that limits you, right? You can't get outside the bounds of, of that bubble. And um, and once people can see themselves as that future self, that version 2.0, better version of themselves, then they can start. Then we can start creating those goals and those habits that are going to get them, uh, get them to become that individual. That's awesome. I, um, it's part of our, my marketing materials. Uh, we actually send out um, this Jim Rohn's nice. book of quotes to people. <laughs> it fits in nicely into an envelope and you can put a little card like this um, in there. There is some information. There's the dedication page. It's really actually really, really cool. Something I learned from my coach. Yeah, that's but, perfect. I love it. I'm going to need to get one of those <laughs> treasury of quotes. He's yeah, got so it, many great ones. Oh my gosh, so many great ones. Yeah. And I've had people call me and say, you know, Tatiana, I got, and this is, this goes out to prospective clients um, and whatever. And people would call and say, you know, he's been my, he's been my sort of mentor, not officially, but I followed him through the years and he was really great. And I really liked him. And now you send me this book of quotes. So this is awesome. And so I've had 
really great, um, great response to to this. So I like keep keep doing that because I think that it's um, his, some of his quotes uh, will live forever. Yeah, for sure. And so um, if we turn back um, time a little bit and or sit in, in uh, sit in a time machine and go back in time. Um, what was your career path like? What was your, where did you start um, and how did you become an entrepreneur? What, what was that path like? Well, that's a bit of a tale, but I, I, will, I will share it with you. I'll make it succinct. But I started uh, in corporate as, as a lot of people. I worked in the healthcare field. I started you know, early on in my career in, um, in sales, in healthcare, and kind of worked my way up the ladder uh, from sales to management and training and corporate development. And, and after, you know, about 20 years in, in that space, um, I ventured into the startup world. I, which is what actually brought, you know, relocated uh, me and my, my family, uh, me and my family from uh, California where we resided to, to Texas. We, we moved to Texas in 2009 and that was coming to uh, work with a startup um, here in Houston and it was a healthcare startup, but, um, you know, it was just growing and, and, you know, expanding. And I had always, while I, while I had worked in corporate, I had always felt that I was kind of destined for more, so to speak, right. That I, you know, I, I never grew up with entrepreneurial parents or, you know, or, or studied that or anything like that, but I always felt like, man, you know, it'd be great to own my own business. And then going through the startup world, I worked for one startup and then a second and saw, you know, us go from, you know, nothing to you know, kind of shoot uh, through the, to the sky very quickly, you know, and high eight figures um, with, uh, with both of them. And I had a big role in, in each of them uh, that I got a real taste of what it was like to build and grow a business. And, you know, I took, I took all of that in, in 2015 after, you know, the second one I had gone from being the, um, the executive VP of sales of our first company to being um, the CEO of a second company that we had acquired and the executive VP at, at the same time for nine months, which was a balancing act that I would not wish upon anyone. And it became too much. And, you know, we started having some regulatory issues and, and I decided to leave um, our, our company at that time. And as I'm, you know, this is the end of 2015. And as I'm kind of figuring out my next step, I had people contacting me, offering me jobs, right? Oh, hey, you helped build this company. Why don't you come build ours? And, and, and you know, what I, one thing I knew at that point is I, I had just gone through, you know, years of this, you know, kind of up and down roller coaster, you know, like an entrepreneurial roller coaster. And I was like, I don't want that anymore for someone else. I want that for myself. So I decided to work with some of these companies that wanted to hire me as a coach, as a consultant. And that's where it really started, you know, at the end of 2015. And, you know, I launched right away with, with a few big clients and, and it was, um, you know, it was great right away. However, however, there's always the, the but, right? <laughs> however, those weren't really, you know, I had to learn over time that, you know, you don't just take a client because they're going to pay you a bunch of money, right? You, you want the right kind of client. You don't just want someone that, you know, is, wants to hand you a check. And, you know, I went through... About nine, 10 months later, I went through a big downturn period on my journey where I fired one client, another one stopped, couldn't find some new ones to that level, and my revenues just plummeted. And it was a very challenging time for about six months of trying to 
what did I really want and how, how what, you know, cause I, it was so easy. Like I got those clients day one. And so it was so easy. And I was like, Oh, I'm good at this. I could do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, the wheels fell off the cart and I was like, Oh boy, where do I go now? And, but I decided to stick it out. You know, I didn't waver. I decided to stick it out. I had to you know dip into retirement uh, savings and things like that, but I stuck it out and was able to make it work. You know, and now here we are years later and, you know, I, I started a second company, which I can explain, but, but I'm, you know, fully an entrepreneur. I mean, I wouldn't do anything else and, um, you know, will be one for the rest of my career. <laughs> what would you do differently if you could go back in time and into, into that transition from corporate to, to business, basically, to being your own boss? What would you, if anything, do differently? <clears throat> I, you know, I, I, I don't like to think of, you know, how what would I do differently? Because I, I learned from every situation. You know, I learned from every experience and think that those help me to get to where I am where I am today, I would say that I would be one thing that I would tell my younger self is to be more cautious with the clients that you take on. So, you know, as I said, my very first client, I mean, they were paying me, you know, a a five figure, you know, monthly fee to, um, to be their consultant which, you know, is great when you're starting out a new business, right? To have that as your first client. And the second client was, you know, pretty close to that. And, and it was like, hey, that's great. But it's not all about the money. So I would tell my younger self, look, it's not about the money. It's about having the right clients, which, as I said, you know, I had to learn over time. Yeah, I think we all as coaches, as advisors, we all learn the hard way. Unfortunately, for some reason, we don't learn from the mistakes of others because when we're just growing the business. We feel like, you know, the client's paying money. We're going to make it work. We're going to, you know, whatever. Um, and I've certainly had that lesson throughout my career for uh, throughout my business career. Um, but I think that we all, for some reason, and maybe that's just an experience that we all have to go through in person. Like we have to do it ourselves as opposed to learn from the mistakes of others. Yeah. But I've certainly seen, at least from an accountant's perspective, I've seen all accountants go through the same thing when they get liberated and start their own things. Um, and then I think that, I don't know. Um, I mean, that thing that happened where you fired a client, I think to me, it sounds like it was a blessing in disguise because, you know, accountants are known for, and I, and I jokingly call it S and because, they're miserable, but they like it. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't do anything about it. They don't do anything to change it. Um, And I think we almost never, um, at least most traditional accounts, almost never get to the point where um, they realize, oh, there is shitty clients and there is good clients. You know, there is, we can actually choose. Like we can actually say no to the revenue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it just doesn't happen for accountants a lot. And, you know, there's a generation of progressive accountants, but uh, which, you know, and things are different there, but um, for tradition and still those progressive or progressive wannabe um, accountants still struggle with the concept of what do you mean? I have to say no to the money and not take on a client. Well, um, I found out this year that it's really hard for me to work with women as clients. Um, And it's not because I am, a bad person or I'm a bad coach, but it's often because women um, look at me and sort of almost compete 
Um, mm-hmm. or, want, or compete in their minds. Maybe they don't realize it. Um, you know, I have a, a business and I've built a business around family and stuff like that. And also many women, we are, we're all in our own heads. Um, you know, men don't spend time thinking, oh, I, that's because I'm a Libra or whatever. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, but mm-hmm. women do. And so I think that we're also women, a lot of women are also unhappy. And whenever it's a happy woman working with me, we have a great relationship. When it's an unhappy woman, which has been the case for most of my clients that have taken on uh, women, they're unhappy, then there will come a time where they will refuse to take responsibility for their own business, for their own actions and their business. And we'll Mm -hmm. point fingers. And eventually that pointing fingers will come at you um, one way or the other. So I don't know. That's been my experience. So I think you made a great point there. Um, and if you yeah, see interesting. clacking on my um, keyboard, I'm taking some notes. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. But um, were there anything that when you started being your own boss that you've really enjoyed? Anything that was a good surprise? You know, I, I, that's a great question. I, I I had worked, I mean, being in sales and being in the different positions I I had, I had always worked autonomously on my own, right? Home office, on the road, things like that. So I always had a lot of freedom, which is a big thing for you know entrepreneurs that I work with that all of a sudden they have that freedom, right? And yeah. and with that is a blessing and a curse because for some people you're you're too free and then you you don't end up not doing work. But for me, I had been used to it for so much, so so that it worked well for me. I would say um, I would say something that, you know, that I really appreciated was just, um, being valued for, uh, being valued for my work because people saw that, um, you know, I I remember in corporate, there was a time where, you know, I was at a certain level, you know, not, not at, at the top, but, you know, somewhere in the middle and, you know, you have all these ideas. I I was always some, I I mean, my brain is always on. I'm someone that has, you know, hundreds of ideas a day, but um, if you look at my personality test, but, but I'm someone that has a lot of ideas. And so when you're in that level of, you know, like a middle level of corporate, your ideas only go so far, right? They have to yeah. be approved by others. You know, things don't happen. Things don't get done. But when you're your own boss, then, Hey, I can act on this idea or you're consulting someone else. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you have the answer. That's a great idea. You know, and they love it and they run with it and they have success. And so, you know, seeing all those ideas and, and those, um, you know, those, um, steps for growth that I've, I had, you know, being put into practice. That's very rewarding. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I'm curious, uh, what personality tests are you referring to? I'm referring to the, uh, discovery, uh, insights personality tests. It, it's, you know, there's the Enneagrams and the disc and there's so many, this one's yeah. considered, um, you know, the most accurate in terms of, um, you know, face validity by the, the people that, that, go through this process. And when I was at a big corporate, a big corporation, healthcare corporation, um, I got certified to teach it, to train others in it and, and learned, you know, insides out, inside out of, of this personality assessment. And, um, it was something that they, you know, that they did for all their, uh, people that were in the, um, you know, the corporate training department, which I was a part That's of at nice. that time. Um, but very in depth, um, you, you get, you get a, you get this big book, and then there's a two-page summary. And when you read that two-page summary, you think that they, you know, were inside your head when they when they wrote it. You think that they, 
you know, that they had access to, you know, your, your parents and your significant other and, you know, everyone ever close to you because they have every detail nailed down and it's all just from the, from the assessment. That's cool. I just thought maybe it was Enneagram and I uh, just recently got trained in it. I mean, I've done, um, I, I'm familiar with the SRT, which was, which DISC is based off of. Um, and um, the Enneagram, um, I've just recently got trained in it um, just for myself. And also just, I believe in these personality tests, because there's a lot you can tell about a certain type of personality, especially if they work for you. There's McQuaig. McQuaig is one of the oldest ones. They date back to like 1950s. Um, I really like that one. Like that one is exactly what you said. It's like they're in your head. Um, and when you know, kind of, you can set parameters for four different, um, I guess, indicators. And if the person fails to be in that within that range, then it's a problem. So mm -hmm. really cool stuff. But I totally like Enneagram. I'm number three. Do you know your score or at all or no? I, I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, it's been so long <laughs> since I've done that one. I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't remember. That's that's fine. I mean, yeah. I think it tells a lot like to me because I know I'm a three, um, like I am every coach's dream because I always implement, <laughs> I listen, I, um, do what you tell me to do that kind of stuff. Like I feel bad not doing something. So I really am hyper responsible and, and very, um, I like reaching new heights and stuff. And usually I motivate myself, so I don't really need anybody to motivate me, which is cool. But there's definitely what I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed that too um, in your practice, and I'm curious because it, this is the question that I've been, uh, I don't want to say agonizing about, but more like thinking about, like, how, how do you actually do it? Um, there are people, a lot of people in the slightly younger than I am generation, like my sister is about 10 years younger, and my sister, my nephew, there's a couple of other people, and I think my sister is less of a representative because she is motivated in some parts. But there are people, um, you know, I've hired accountants for my clients and things like that, staff accountants. And what I've noticed is this younger, slightly younger generation, like they're in their early 30s, let's say, um, they don't have an internal motivation. They don't mm. really want anything. And so I'm curious to know if you've ever come across that in your practice. And also, if you have, how do you even deal with that? How do you help the person motivate themselves. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, you know, one thing I've done in the, in the past couple of years is study uh, generational differences uh, because as we transition, you know, as I transition to working more with, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z um, it, it's, it's different. You have to interact with them different than, you know, Gen X, which I'm, which I'm a part of, or, you know, even baby boomers. And, and I'd say that, you know, in individuals like that, I, I don't, I tend to stay away from folks like that in my one-on-one -on -one coaching because I evaluate them and it's, you know, they have to have a growth mindset. They have to be willing to, you know, grow and, and be motivated or else I'm just not going to work with them. But I do get some people in groups. I do get some people in groups that, um, that are like that. And what the way that I help them is to focus on making things as small and attainable as possible. So if, you know, going back to what I said a few minutes ago about, you know, having this big goal and, you know, not seeing yourself as accomplishing that big goal, right? As a person mm -hmm. who's accomplishing that big goal. The other side of that, Tatiana, is having this big goal and thinking it's too big and unattainable. 
It's like, how am I going to climb Mount Everest, right? Well, you don't climb it by going from the bottom to the top. You climb it one step at a time, right? And it may take a week, but you just, just one step at a time. And, and so what I like to do is break it down to just that first step, that next step. Um, and, and make it just so ultra simple that it takes all the thinking out. It takes all the, um, you know, all the procrastination out. You know, if, if I was trying to get someone to read, it's like, Hey, just open the book, right? Not read 10 pages, right. Or read for 30 minutes. No, just open the book and <laughs> just open it. And then, you know, you, you, you'll look at it, you'll start getting going and, you know, you get some interest and then you go from there. But, um, but when you make it ultra small like that, because what happens is if you, you know, having some success, so I'll relate it because this is a great analogy for, you know, for anyone to understand is, you know, in the gym is working out. Okay. If you go and you tell someone, you're like, Hey, we're going to squat, you know, 200 pounds and they've never worked out a day in their life, or we're going to bench press, you know, 200 pounds. They won't be able to do it or they'll, they'll, they'll do something that you want to do. They'll be so sore. They won't want to come back. They're, they're just totally lose motivation and say, forget it. I'm done. But if you give them a small win, you give them something small that they can accomplish and they have success, then all of a sudden they're like, ooh, I like that. You know, that's going to feed into that confidence. And then they're going to say, oh, I want to have another small win and another small win and another small win. And then before you know it, they're squatting 200 pounds, right? Or they're benching 200 pounds because they've done it, you know, small, um, small iterations over time and they've gotten there. And so it's not climbing to the top of a mountain. It's no, just, just that first step. And, and that's, that's the best way that I've found to build motivation in people that aren't internally motivated. And I did write, um, so I write for Lifehack and I did write um, two articles, one on internal um, motivation and one on external motivation. So, you know, you can, people can look that up if they want, but it, it explains both and, you know, the differences and examples and everything. That's cool. And I guess, I'm sorry, it's not internal, it's intrinsic, intrinsic and extrinsic instead of internal and external, intrinsic and extrinsic. Cool. extrinsic. That's the, that's how it's uh, titled. Awesome. And, um, thanks for, you know, thanks for sharing that. Um, it's easily Googleable. I mean, I'm sure. Right. Oh yeah. If you just type in like intrinsic motivation, Rick Ornelas, you know, or life hack, I'm, I'm sure it should pop up. I don't remember cool. the exact title, but, um, for each one, but it's been a, been about a year, but. And do you think. Just an interesting um, as a, for me as a coach, as a um, advisor, I guess, um, do you think that people could, they're not internally motivated that they could change or do you think they'll never, like they won't change at least in the nearest future? Meaning you mentioned that you don't, like you test them out of the one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know, you figure it mm -hmm. out and you're like, no, you, you know. I'm not offering you the coaching, whatever, you know, whatever the, your process is, but I'm curious to know if like, if you like, I've had this, um, coach business coach a couple of years ago that we've worked together. He's actually in Dallas, um, uh, Dallas based. And I remember he used to say, you have to be coachable. And mm -hmm. I feel like for some people, not all for some people, it was that spark that ignited them being coachable. Like they were, were not coachable before, but him saying that him saying that you have to be coachable so that you can have, I don't know, success or whatever that was in the program. Um, do you feel like it's possible for them to change on their own? 
um, and for us to do that fairly quickly as coaches or no? So you're saying for them to change without a coach? Like if let's say they're having a discovery call with you as a coach and you know that they're not the right person, like not the right client for you by you saying um, you have to be coachable and you have to commit to excellence. You have to do X, Y, and Z only then we can start working together. If you do that, do you think that that could be enough of a push for them to change, to find that motivation somehow? Um, it, it can be, I'd say it could be depending on the individual. So if, if the person, you know, if, if they are really, you know, um, vested in a goal per se, and they see working with me is going to help them achieve this goal, then they will make the change. You know, they, they will make the change because they'll see that it's an end to, you know, a means to an end, right. That it's going to get them there. Now, if they're just kind of like eh, halfway in kind of wishy-washy, and it doesn't matter what I say because they're not going to do it anyways. And so one thing I, I, I tell everyone when they start, if they're going to coach with me, is I, and this is something that one of my mentors told me when I started in coaching, is I tell them, I say, look, and having experience in this, it's easy, but I say, I am going to be like a personal trainer. I'm not going to be your bartender. Okay. A personal trainer is going to get in your face. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to push you. They're going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to force you to grow and expand beyond your comfort zone. A bartender is just going to smile and and keep you happy. Make sure your drink is topped off and and you have some peanuts and everything. And and you're just, you're just pat you on the back and say, Oh yeah, you're, you're all good. You're taken care of. But that does nothing to help that individual right? It, it does nothing or it helps them for, you know, five minutes and, and that's, that's useless. So I have that conversation, you know, it's, it's a very frank and honest conversation with everybody when we start working. And, um, and I've had people that, um, you know, especially in the CrossFit coaching, I've had, and one story stands out from a, you know, a, a middle-aged um, woman who, you know, wasn't very strong when she started, you know, not very big, you know, a small stature and everything. And, you know, she had been coached by one of the other coaches who is, who's a far, and I'm not an aggressive coach by any means, but this other person is, doesn't push them as hard, right? Doesn't push them as much, but I push people that I feel can do more, right? And, and, you know, to get outside that comfort zone, cause I know they can do it. Well, this person, um, I, um, you know, would push her, push her, push her. And then, you know, she totally changed. She became really strong and, 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 you know, fast and, and, um, you know, and a great athlete. Right. And she told me after probably about, I don't know if it was, it was maybe a year of me coaching her. She said, she comes to me one day and I think we were at like, I think it wasn't even in class. I think it was like a, you know, like we were having a potluck or some kind of, you know, outside of class activity. And she says, you know, coach Rick, I've I've been meaning to tell you something. (laughs) And she tells me, she said, you know, when you first started coaching here, I hated your class. I hated it because you were so different from the other coaches because you pushed me and you made me get uncomfortable. And, you know, I always, I always, you know, I always hated it. But then I stuck with it. And now you're my favorite coach. And I love how you've pushed me and how much I've grown and, you know, how strong I've become and, you know, the, where I am now because of your coaching. And 
that's what I'm looking for. You know, it, it, you don't have to get it, so to speak, at, you know, day one. You just have to be open, right? You just have to be open and say, all right, I'm going to go along for the ride. You know, you're, you're the coach. You know what, what you're doing. And that's how she was, right? She, she didn't enjoy it, but she says, hey, I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. And then, you know, now she's great. And I remember we had this competition and she had the best score of anyone. And, you know, I was really pushing her in that competition. And I told her beforehand, I'm like, you're going to get the highest score of anybody. And she did, you know, and I would say that the person that was, you know, a year prior never would have done that. Never in a million years, but because she had grown so much, she did. That's, that's great. I mean, I could totally relate. And I was having a flashback um, to my second accounting class, which was completely new for me. The second accounting teacher, first class, she was like threatening us and stuff. And I was like, maybe, maybe I should switch to another section. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to stick around. And then I ended up actually taking five classes with her, five different accounting classes. And I aced each and every one of them. And I'm a better accountant because of her too. So I could totally relate. And I was having flashbacks as you were talking. Yeah, it's um, true, right? It's true because, you know, it, it, it's that's where the growth happens. That's where the magic happens. It doesn't happen I, in that comfortable bubble. Yeah, for sure. So Rick, as we wrap up here for, uh, today, do you have... Um, and if you don't remember three, uh, that's okay. Uh, do you have three top three books that have either changed your life or changed your thinking or changed you in some way that you that are basically forever your go-to or forever your, um, um, I guess, resource um, yep. in, in your life, whether business or any type of book? Um, Yes, I, I do for sure. And, and I'll, I'll share. I mean, I have a lot more than three. I, I'm a voracious reader. You know, I'll, I'll read a couple books a month at least. But um, right now I'm reading three books at the same time. <laughs> but, but, um, but as far as the three, and, and this would be in this order. Number one would be Mindset by Carol Dweck. And Mindset is, you know, just a, a great foundational book. Um, you know, she talks about, she's a researcher out of Stanford. And she talks about her, you know, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and how that relates to parenting or coaching or, you know, business or different situation and how it shows up. And that has impacted my life and my business probably more than any others. Okay. So that, that'd be number one. Um, number two uh, would be uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And that it's such a simple book. What he breaks down is what I described earlier in the this interview about breaking things down into those small little tiny bits. And, you know, what he says is small, seemingly insignificant, um, you know, steps that will compound over time to massive results. And I've um, implemented, you know, the compound effect in, in my life and my career. So that, that's a, that's a great one as well. And the third one would be, uh, limitless by Jim quick, uh, limitless, uh, brain coach, uh, Jim quick, if you're, you're familiar, but his book from a couple of years ago, um, he talks about just, you know, how we essentially with the power of our brain and our mind, we are all limitless if we allow ourselves to be and in different capacities. And that's something that I've really embraced in the past couple of years um, since I read it and um, that I you know, continue to impart into those that I coach. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I've uh, written down, hopefully I got the names right. 
I'm sure you, uh, people can find them. I've written them down so that you can find them in the show notes and below the video if you're watching on YouTube. Um, awesome. And Rick, so um, what um, one, actually two more things that I would like for you to share. Number one is in who would be an ideal, describe an ideal client, meaning if someone is listening as you describe that ideal client and they think, this is me, who would that person be? An ideal client for you to coach? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, ideal client for me, and I love that you asked it, so thank you. An ideal client would be for me would be an entrepreneur that has a business already. So not a new entrepreneur, but they, they have a business. Maybe they've been in business for, you know, let's say a minimum of, of two to three years um, and they've had some success. So, you know, like on my Instagram, for example, it says six to seven figure entrepreneurs because, you know, what, who I work with are people that they kind of hit those glass ceilings. So, you know, someone will start their business and they'll get to, you know, hundred thousand or 120. And then they're like, why can't I grow beyond this? Or they get to half a million and they're like, why can't I grow beyond, you know, that, that mark or a million and how, how can I get past a million? And they, they stagnate. And so those are my clients. They're at those, those kind of different, you know, benchmarks in their business where they, they have a business and it can be service or, you know, sales type based business. It doesn't really matter, but just an entrepreneur it can be a brick and mortar. I, I've worked with lots of, you know, healthcare providers and, and doctors and so forth, but um, they can be a solo entrepreneur. They can have a team, but they're, they've stagnated. They're looking to grow. They're looking to figure out what is keeping them back from growing their business and what steps they need to take to go to that next level. And it can be male, female, you know, like I said, um, typically they're, they're going to be, you know, millennial Gen X, you know, I've worked with a few Gen Z's, but, um, typically they're in that demographic, but. Awesome. And last question is where can people find and connect with you? I, I mean, the links that you've submitted will be listed in the show notes, um, below the video, below, um, below the uh, podcast as well. Um, but is there one place where you predominantly live? And if that is, um, if there is, then share it. Um, if not, then we'll just, um, have all the links available for everybody. Yeah. It's a couple places. So, uh, uh, the two websites would be rickornellis.com where it's, you know, all about me, my speaking, my, um, my writing, my interviews, and then also icesparkchange.com to learn more about, you know, my organization where we empower others to connect with humanity and spread positive change and elevate social impact. Um, so those two websites, and then the same would go for Instagram. We have a very active Instagram, you know, Rick Ornelas Instagram or icesparkchange Instagram. Um, so they can follow us where they'll see, you know, daily motivational, inspirational content. They'll find out about, you know, different programs we have going on, different you know, speaking events, uh, things like that. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rick, for being a great guest. It was really cool and interesting to talk to you and to learn about you and your journey and your coaching and the work that you do. So thanks so much for, for agreeing to come on the show. Yes, it's been a pleasure, Tatiana. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, you asked some great questions and you know we had a great conversation. So thank you. Awesome. If you're listening or watching, um, tune in next Friday for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana and bye for now.